Today's episode is brought to you by the Playoff Metagame. It's high noon. everyone and welcome to high noon podcast the competitive overwatch podcast i am your host the blevins with me as always is death blow what's up buddy not too much my man how are you i'm doing great and i'm doing even super better greater death because we have an awesome guest today don't we yeah it's hard to believe you're a semi-professional talker but we do have uh, a very <laughs> special guest with us today uh we all know that the playoffs are starting this week and with it is a brand new patch and a brand new meta game so we needed to call in some big guns so what i did was i reached out to our good friend frito from your overwatch asked him if he knew of any uh roguishly good-looking men from the blizzard launcher that would be able to help us break <laughs> down the patch um, unfortunately, I wasn't very specific. He didn't realize I meant Nateson, so we do have Frito <laughs> with us today. Thank you so much for joining us, Frito. Really, really appreciate it. And big congratulations on that shout out in the launcher. I, I, I like to joke, but um, it was really it put a big smile on my face when I opened up the game and and had you smiling at me before I got to play. Nice. It's a little surreal. It's a little annoying seeing yourself actually in the launcher. I can't I imagine if it was me, I would have hated it. But because it was oh, you, man. Emma. Are you kidding me? I would be spamming that nonstop. Like people would be seeing it more on my Twitter feed than in the launcher. <laughs> like there's what? How many millions of players? I would tweet out I would tweet it out more times than that. And also tag every single Overwatch player just, just to make set sure. up a bot anytime anybody says Overwatch in a tweet, you just respond, Hi, I'm Bleff. Yeah. <laughs> I I'll I'll contact the I'll contact the guy that runs the uh uh what is it take what is the, the bot that like responds to every one of Tim's tweets? The with the, the take, take it to the house kid. Take it to the house kid but yeah, that literally every <laughs> single tweet he does, there's the take it to the house kid meme every single time. But in all seriousness, Frito, it's good seeing you, bud. It's good talking to you. I know at, by this time we probably would have seen each other at some event or done something. So uh, COVID uh, really taking the toll here. But we get the chance should, to talk about. We should be planning the joint meetup is what we should be doing uh, this week. I'm not. Yeah, exactly. That's what. Yeah, exactly. That's what we should be doing is planning that for all grand finals. But uh, unfortunately, we don't get to do that. But yeah, so good to have you on the show. And we've got a packed one here. Of course, we've got uh, all sorts of playoff stuff. I think this is the right button. Uh, yeah, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. <laughs> we got plenty of playoffs to talk about today, but we also have a new Overwatch patch to talk about and uh, the metagame that is going to ensue from that. So we will uh, certainly, uh, we brought in the expert here for you listeners, viewers, and chat. So uh, going to be great. But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what we've been up to lately Frito, anything fun and exciting lately besides, you know, being featured in uh, in the Overwatch, in the Blizzard launcher? Anything exciting for you? Uh, no, just working hard, making Overwatch and Valorant content, switching between the games. One cool thing about covering Valorant, though, is I, I feel it sort of refreshed my love of the game of Overwatch because 
it's nothing like a, a slower game that is more punishing in one direction <laughs> to help you enjoy being a Winston main. It's like not having to aim. Well, that feels great going back to that. So, uh, yeah, it's been exciting covering both scenes and, and a lot of things going on. Well, if only we could get you to do a video based around why my aim sucks in Overwatch, but is pretty, at least comparatively good in Valorant, because that makes no sense to me. One of them's all about aim, and I've got it there. The other one, I can like, I can make do without it, but I don't have it there. It drives me nuts, but that's not the topic for today. It is very uh, bizarre that that is the case, because I've played with you in both, and that is certainly what happens. It it's very sense. different types of aim, though. Valorant's like 90% crosshair placement, where that doesn't really matter in Overwatch. You just need to be flicking all over the place. So you know, in some ways, Overwatch takes more aim in on certain characters anyway. Well, that explains uh, the dominance of uh, particular Overwatch transfers to that game, I suppose. But uh, what about you, Blevins? What have you been up to the, the last two weeks? Because we were off last week. Oh, that's right. We were off last week. That's why people are tweeting at us being like, holy crap, High Noon still exists. And I go, I, I was just as surprised as you were. Um, yeah, doing the doing the uh, the LOR thing. So I've been doing the opposite of playing shooter games, playing playing card games like a boomer and, and not even really playing as much as as uh, casting, which has been fun. But, you know, nothing exciting there. Well, I mean, it's exciting for me, but nothing exciting for, <laughs> for our dear Overwatch listeners. But, yeah, same old, same old uh, there. But uh, before we... Is your aim bad in card games <clears throat> in a shooter? <laughs> um, no, my aim is flawless. And I'm trying to think if there's anything even analogous to aim. I guess ordering your attackers is, is kind of like aim, except well, you, not... You get high APM and you need to, like, really finish your turn or what I'm thinking, like, on Hearthstone terms, if you're roping, you know, you got to click the right things you got to queue up all your actions oh there, i mean there's not as there's not really any of that in in uh well th there could be but it doesn't the long story short doesn't it doesn't work like that in uh in in lor um you can do infinite combos technically though there's not very many um but <laughs> i don't know why we're going off this is the the least exciting <laughs> tangent to go off of to go off on we have we have a bunch that we could so uh before we move on just want to make sure everyone knows black watch report of course has done their episode uh this week keeping it on make sure you're following black watch report if you're not already hashtag support tier two they're keeping it they're keeping the eternal flame of tier two and tier three and everything else lit so make sure you're checking out black watch report on twitter and on their feed but Let's move on here, and I just knew that that was the right button. That was crazy. We've got a new meta coming through here, Death. We've got a lot of changes and a lot that will likely impact uh, the playoffs moving forward. So why don't you take it away, Death? Absolutely. Yeah, there's um, some pretty major changes to some particular heroes there's, there's more changes than we're going to discuss specifically today but uh there's four heroes in particular that got some some changes and some reworks here that i think are particularly impactful here the first one is brigitte um her base health was lowered from 200 to 150 uh, her inspire total healing decreased from 130 to 90 and the self healing is no longer reduced by half so maintaining a good portion of or if not more so reliable in in the middle of um inspire i guess just generally speaking um a little more um self-healing than normal right just looking at the numbers but um 
Frito, I'll let you kind of speak to the specifics on that. A, a very specific nerf here to Brig, um, not a character we've seen. Again, uh, there was a an Overwatch patch today, I want to clarify. That's not the one we're talking about. We're talking about the changes that went through in the patch that the Overwatch League playoffs will be on. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, forgive me if I get anything jumbled up. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Frito's more of a professional than I am, but I, I'm going to put that disclaimer out there for him um, because it's, it's a little crazy right now to be dealing with the live patch and talking about that metagame, what that's going to look like uh, as of today. And then also looking back at what's been the live patch for a couple of weeks. So uh, I'm just going to go through the rest of these changes here, and then we'll try to take a holistic look at what we think the metagame will be for the playoffs, um, what we think is going to be strong and, and try to extrapolate that a little bit to see what teams might be a little stronger than we've seen in the past or might benefit from the metagame that we're going to to kind of propose and talk about today. Outside of Brig, we have Orissa, base armor reduced from 250 to 200. The radius on Halt was reduced from seven to four meters and the projectile speed increased from 20 to 30. Much more of a skill shot based ability that Halt is than it was before instead of like, you know, being a graviton surge on cooldown. <laughs> um, but Roadhog, oh. Scrap gun to general. The ammo was reduced from six to five. Damage per projectile increased from six to seven. It's just one Frito. It'll be fine. It's fine. Uh, and recovery increased from 0.7 to 0.85. Uh, and then lastly, Sigma, experimental barrier, the shield. The HP was reduced from 900 to 700. Regeneration rate reduced from 120 to 80 per second. And the kinetic grasp cooldown increased from 10 to 12 seconds. Um, again, couple other changes, uh, random Symmetra buff, a Farah buff. There was a couple other things. But um, these are the meta heroes that either were or are in comp on this patch. So we're going to kind of highlight these. Frito, what have you seen, at least in comp, um, on this patch that the Overwatch League is going to be playing on? Let's, let's start with that as kind of a baseline for level one, what the, what the comp and the meta might look like. Right, if you followed the game recently, we're talking about the Hog-Zarya patch that lasted, what is it, one or two weeks, I believe it was? And they've already since changed it on live, so that might alter. So it's it's the, that very, the playoffs in entirety will be that, like, two-week hellacious patch for ranked. Now, the question <laughs> is, would something like Orisa Hog work at the professional level? That That's what gets kind of tricky because roadhog is a character even if he has like tons and tons of stats he's he's better when you're indecisive or Mm -hmm. when you don't have discipline around your teammates so it's tough we've only really seen hog played in a few scenarios in like the new version of hog i'm talking years now at this point like Mm -hmm. hook 1.0 aside let's put that into the uh time capsule to discuss uh, on a different show perhaps at at some point but (laughs) Uh, capsule looks like a garbage can. (laughs) (laughs) The the space time hook, uh, back in the day, but like, (laughs) so, uh, it's difficult to discuss. So like, even if we were to take copy paste, the ranked meta, like, I don't even know if that works. There's that point. But then also, I don't even know if Blizzard nerfed the right meta in this patch, because if you look at the countdown cup and then maybe even, uh, the one before it, I'm trying to uh, extrapolate this, there was a counter meta comp getting developed called the double bubble. And to me anyway, I don't know if you guys agree with this. I, I think I think it was clear by the end of the countdown cup for sure. But uh, maybe even before that, it seemed obvious that it was the best way to play. And essentially the reason why is because it could maximize uh, on so many different 
ways, whereas the spam meta comp is pretty much around halt and ranged uh, poke damage and bursting things. The Zarya-Winston combination had the mo the highest peak with teamwork because you could have a front line where Winston would go in, get the bubble, farm primal, and get an Ananade. When you land all of those abilities in cycle, work up to those ultimates, then there's Sombra in the back. So previously, Halt was like so reliable to point at a thing and kill it, right? But if your DPS is Sombra, who plays away from all of those duels and is sort of just aiding the, the front line, and you're working up to these ultimates, well, then all of a sudden you got EMP in an Ana anti-nade. And then you have a primal, and then you're working up to the next EMP, and, and, and you have nano boost to charge up the primal. And there was that big cycle that that went through. So my question is, you brought me on to bring answers, and the best I could do is <laughs> cast a lot of these things. My well, question is, <laughs> is Orisa Sigma even meta on the old patch? I don't even think that's the case because it seemed unplayable up against this new double bubble comp. So the question is then, would the Roadhog patch that we've experienced in rain for the past couple of weeks? beat that comp on paper and i don't even know if that's true i could go on to another tangent but like hog is essentially the same character as orisa like in principle he's ranged does damage he has this hook which is a cc ability he just has more damage than orisa and no shield so the double bubble comp actually interacts with that new hog in a similar way if you land it right like in ranked it's like pick winston against hog like forehead that's the worst idea you could ever have mm -hmm. but for the pro level they they use the bubble on Winston, the Zarya bubble on Winston first, and then he can block out in time the other bubble to block the hog hook. And an interesting aspect of the new hog is that he's actually more inefficient against shields and barriers and bubbles and stuff than he was before. Not a lot of people know this, don't realize this is the case, but before six shots at 150, um, I did the math earlier, trust me, I can pull it up again, <laughs> but I believe it was 900 I believe that equates to 900 overall damage before he has to reload. Now it's actually 875, so slightly less, and there's bigger gaps in between his shots. Higher burst damage, so when he actually does hook you, he kills you more, but if he has to kind of push past the Zarya bubble and the Winston bubble used appropriately, it's not as good. So that's sort of the template for you guys. I, I, I really don't know. I'm not sure. I wonder if the Winston comps would still just be good, good because... It's like it's not like you can run the nerfed version of Halt against it because it was already failing, right? Like Arisa's just dumpstered as far as I'm concerned because that that Halt change was way overkill. Uh, they've since changed it back <laughs> a little bit. He's so happy to not have to play Arisa oh, yeah. anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. So she's just out, right? So like a lot of characters that play around that Arisa comp also go out in far as far as I'm concerned. So like, what does Bap do if you can't have an Arisa like? You know what I mean? Like, does is Ash really the best DPS character, or was she the best for poke mirrors? She had the most firepower to exchange when you both were playing uh, ranged at each other, but is she the best necessarily when there's, like, a lot of movement characters uh, in on, on the fight, or if you're getting rushed down and, and stuff like that? If the, if the tempo of the engagements are faster, is Ash better? I don't necessarily think so. So I think the meta is either exactly what we just saw or something different. Uh, you know, maybe the the sorry a hog, but I'd have another argument why I don't think that's the case. But so that that I, I laid some groundwork. I don't know if you guys want to you know no, build on that foundation at all. And I think we can look and not have to look too far back into history to see something very similar happen. Um, and that was in this exact same spot 
last year in the Overwatch League when it was goats, 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 and it was the whole season and it was all anybody could do. And then all of a sudden there was just, you know, Houston beat San Francisco by just playing this dive Sombra based hack fist whatever metagame and, mm-hmm. and shanghai was kind of doing that too and on the other side of things and there was these couple of teams that seemed to have figured out you know you don't have to play this and then as soon as that gets figured out and popularized and people really wake up to that fact then we finally got the patch everybody had been begging for for you know for six to twelve months that two two twos in play and it's just we're we're completely changing it but was it even did we need to fight it anymore or did we see it organically naturally get taken down and and i guess the answer is the same now as it was it doesn't matter because we get this patch and it's right. what they're <laughs> and uh it's it's super fun and it's super interesting um to to kind of think of it that way and just i guess that's really just the nature of the development cycle right like they put these changes into testing internally they're working on them they like the way the game is and it feels on that so they decide to go with it and and then things kind of like that's what in the hopper for what two weeks maybe or something like that and then the pro meta moves on its own independent of that and it's it just kind of happens anyways so um it's definitely really interesting and and i think that really is the heart of of what we're trying to figure out here is we'd seen a bit of a transition away from that double shield um and now these patch notes really could just completely strip it away from teams as an option um Whereas before, maybe it wasn't optimal, but it was at least it had, you know, the power level of those abilities before and teams might have been comfortable with it and might have opted for it. Um, and now it, it really doesn't feel like like that's going to be much of the choice. Uh, now, when we look here too, uh, just another bit of a teaser, Nero today tweeted, y'all are not ready for APAC playoff meta. <laughs> so that tells us, to me at least... It, don't expect the giga hog like just you know hog zarya running all over the place right we're all ready for that we're all talking about it we're all thinking it's what's going to happen because it's what's been dominating our ranked gameplay for two weeks now um so i think it's pretty safe to say we're going to be seeing something else and in line with that um i think we can comfortably say we've heard some early reports and this is mostly coming from like tier two and tier three teams and you know not from the overwatch league teams themselves so maybe there's more to it than than what we see um but i'm really seeing a lot of talk about winston and diva together in a traditional dive style meta um you're still going to have a good amount of your um, Widowmakers, you know, your Ashes, your your just kind of hit scan DPS seem to be just really, really powerful. That's why they were addressed in the Power Creep patch that hit today onto live servers. But um, I, I guess that's really the question. It seems like we're a little bit in agreement here, Frito, that it's probably going to lean towards something a little bit more uh, dive oriented, at least in the tank line. Am, am I understanding you correctly there? Possibly. And I think a good point to realize why that's the case. Oh, the other the other option I want to keep in my mind, APAC might run a little Roadhog Wrecking Ball because they already liked playing that way anyway, especially some of some of the teams where that's a full deathmatch comp. I can see that <laughs> happening before the Zarya Hog meta because what Zarya Hog was really good in ranked is that it fit in how players like to play ranked team fights normally, right? I've made millions of videos about this, but the way pros take engagements is fundamentally different than even the highest tiers of ranked because in Overwatch ranked, you sort of just want to 
walk to a generally useful spot and fight there. Whereas owl pros, we saw this especially in the goats era, right? They would hide in a little room until the objective unlocks, then go out and and all do a thing together properly, right? Like their, their shot calling of how they engage is just totally different than what you normally see. So in that world where people are like fighting at unopportune times and maybe feeding a little bit, like you had to play Zarya to catch someone uh, getting hooked with their hog flanking. But if everybody's ready for the flank and you have Ana ready to punish it, that's not as good. Or if you run that Zarya, what happens anytime you see this is, this is um, I guess, a, a easy template you can apply to any time Zarya gets ran in the Overwatch League, even when she's pretty good now, is that she's the focus fire target, which uh, in ranked typically feels like a bad idea because there isn't enough coordination. But there's lots of ways for you to do too much damage to the Zarya than can be healed, then she can bubble and, and everything. Whether it's like just a slight little positioning uh, change where they boop her forward or isolate her with a Winston bubble. Uh, Jake made a, a great video about this actually of Smurfs to Winston of how he would dive essentially to block off the healing and bubble the things that would help Zarya and they would focus Zarya because she's slow, right? The reason why I think Wrecking Ball Hog might work is that you kind of don't give them a good target. Like Hog looks like a good target, right? Maybe, but he's got insane damage and a hook and a breather. And so he's more tanky than Zarya, I think, in that way because he, he's kind of a bigger threat and Ball just runs away from you and is playing off in the distance and he's setting up the attacks. So yeah, um, shield for nine million HP. Grapple out of grapple out of dodge. Yeah. Right. There's about a million Overwatch League comps that I think would destroy Zarya Hog. Like you could the the classic Philadelphia Fusion May Brawl. Right. Like yeah, shields are weak, but if you all play together and you have a great wall every time. I mean, who do you really get great May walls in ranked? Not really. Right. Like you don't have the planning of knowing are the walls going to be here every time mm -hmm. perfectly and we can structure around it and you won't get rolled. Whereas Ivy playing May, they dominated that. Like you try to run Zarya Hog uh, against the Fusion, I think, and they just pick that comp and run at you. Like your front line just falls apart. It doesn't matter uh, the, the stats they have; they just die. Um, so anyway, that, that that's my rant on that. Um, yeah, May was so dominant early in the season, and in large part because it really shut down that um, halt hook play style. It was so disruptive to that, especially at the Overwatch League level, with the level of synergy, with the level of pre planning. You know, in, in you mentioned in comp, it, it works and, and that's, you know, it doesn't work. It does, You can't just shut it down with the May like that. But these teams are from, you know, it's diff so completely different from the moment the doors open uh, between your comp games and Overwatch mm -hmm. League. Everybody has a plan. Nobody's off on their own. Nobody just absentmindedly no goes rogue agents. this room, right? You know, <laughs> right. gets themselves in this stupid spot. So when you know my whole team's here you know if one of my teammates are getting hooked it's happening from in this cluster i'm in bam wallet just stop it um right. so i i think that's great it's something we my my uh, group of my play group tried to do in comp and shut down the the zarya and the roadhog compositions it didn't quite work out for us because you know we're bad com in comparison and we don't have the the levels of synergy but it's basically since the moment this patch hit i i was pretty determined in my stance that hog is a I, I go way over the top when i talk about hog because i don't really like him as a hero that much but just like a synergyless ball of garbage and just right now that synergy <laughs> ball of garbage outputs a lot of damage and it's oppressive in the comp scene but listen when you're talking about off tanks like choi hyo bin and and han bin and you know 
Krong and those guys being able to use a character like Diva to shut down the damage output of a character like Roadhog, it's vastly different than what it is if it's me and Blevins hopping in as a tank duo and into comp. Like you're yeah. just able to get so much more out of every interaction, every ability, every everything that you can really overcome something as simple as just what might be a slightly overtuned damage number. Um, but it was just one. It was just one Frito. Don't worry. It won't be. It won't be. Bad. I always laugh when I see the, the patch notes for Overwatch. It's like, oh, that's such a small change. And it's like, no, no, interactions, breakpoints, you're instantly dead. You don't, right. you don't get it. Um, I'll, I'll never get it. But um, yeah, so it's just really going to be a lot of fun to me to see exactly how they do um, break this down. But my question for you now, Frito, is assuming we're kind of right about that, right? And that teams are lining up Winston Diva versus Winston Diva, right? Like, let's assume that's correct. Um, what do you think the DPS players and, and selections are going to be? Obviously, it's not going to be down to two, but are there maybe three or four that you think are going to be at the, the forefront for these teams, assuming we're in something divey? Yeah, I it's tough to pick heroes because uh I, I don't necessarily like so Brig to me is the core to all this. They and sort of the um uh, the Pandora's box, I suppose, to <laughs> to really dive into into the meta because in ranked up against Hog, the breakpoints really matter to me, and that less health really makes a difference. I don't, I'm not so sure if the pros will feel the same way or not. And she was, funnily enough, like so crucial to dive mirrors because of how she could be a replacement tank when uh, she needed to be. She had the reliable ranged healing and, and just all of her fighting abilities really worked against the setups and interacted well with it. The numbers to me against other things are make her weak i think like in ranked she feels useless on on the zarya hog patch uh from the past couple weeks but in a dive mirror she may still be the best and so because of that it like changes what's good and uh if she is good or not um i i think a safe bet would be like sombra tracer like if we were if you we were pre prepping for this uh patch playing those characters they the re i think a they do much better in Owl than they do in Ranked, especially Sombra, right? But um, part of the reason why is you can get such a reliable output from them, where as long as your player plays, like, mechanically sound in the positions they're supposed to play, you know what you're going to get. And it's hard to, like, counter them, basically. Like, they just exist, they get a, a very reliable amount of value, and but they potentially carry if, like, you know, Striker pops off or whatever, right? Um, but they don't feel risky, basically. They're not a very greedy pick. And so because of that, they work really well with, with teamwork, even up against Brig, oddly enough, who you would think wouldn't. But like when she has ultimate, then they kind of get shut down. But the truth is other characters that have a much more committing style, let's say Genji, for example, unless his numbers are overtuned like they were, um, he gets bashed by Brig when he goes in, right? And, and he, she has interactions against them uh, she has interactions against Genji, whereas the Sombra Tracer can play at arm's arm's reach. So I would suspect something like that, because also on top of that, we already have seen the Zarya Winston comps with Sombra play like that in the Countdown Cup. I'm not so sure Diva would be playing. I'm not exactly sure why they would go with Zarya instead of Diva. Maybe because the dive the dive mirror is better with Diva. Um, and that might be the reason why. And she has, you know, she can like spot check for Sombra, interacts with the Tracer 
um, Sombra a bit better, being able, like targets hacked, you can matrix them, Tracer's farming you, you can more re reactively silence some of her damage, whereas Zarya can't do all of those things. So if it is indeed D.Va, like I I'd be surprised at that, but I would assume it's because the layers of meta have sort of cascaded, right? Where I think Hog, Hog Zarya would beat on paper the Winston uh, D.Va tank line, but the Zarya enabled Winston would beat that. So, yes. and because you're not running that, then you go down to the next, like meta mm -hmm. always is, it's not like the strongest peak thing. It's the thing that's left after everything gets countered or counterpicked and is assumed not to be reliable enough. I'm three levels deep in the pocket game and Smash Brothers against you. <laughs> Me um, we just know metas are like onions. There's, there's, there's many layers and it's not, it's not the whole onion that matters. It's what's left of the onion after you peel back the layers. Yeah. But that's that's I'm really glad you mentioned that because it is something I completely skipped over in in my conversation about it. Yeah, I think the the Winston Diva composition probably does get beat by the the Zarya and the Roadhog, but I think that there exists the counter for the Zarya Roadhog that just makes it so that way that's kind of out of the running, right? Like if you switch to that, then there's just the whether it's Winston Zarya, which is probably it, or like Ball Zarya or something along those lines that just doesn't allow that that um roadhog zarya duo to really exist it really maybe outside of like a last second swap on a point going into the last fight right like you don't have time you're pushing the cart you're on it we know what you're playing i if it's winston diva i just get to come out on roadhog zarya and and take this fight sort of a thing um so yeah i think there could be a decent amount of movement to it um i that that kind of brings me to my other question uh, i've been a big I don't know if it's proponent or just like I, I've been very unclear and unsure of why it's been Winston lately over the wrecking ball. Um, it's a little bit based on my bias. I, I was going to say, I can give you one reason why I, you're wondering I mean, this. Winston's, it's not even really biased, right? It's like Winston's my favorite tank hero in the game. Like if I had to pick one main tank hero to play, it would be Winston. I'm dying for that comp meta to come back. I can't wait. Right. I just, I want it back. But, um, I did force myself to learn ball recently. So I think when I currently log in and, and play and pick my hero, if I pick Winston, it's going to go worse than if I picked wrecking ball, because I just spent a bad wrecking ball meta forcing myself to learn it and find mm -hmm. out ways to be successful with it, even though it was a bad pick or whatever it was. Like I just kind of got myself. So outside of like my personal performance and my personal results on the the two different heroes i'm curious why we're not seeing more teams opt into the wrecking ball because to me it's so much more disruptive it's so much harder to to counter in the sense that like you've really got to find them is it just i mean i know i'm bad against sombra on, on wrecking ball is that just it is are the owl players not able to like beat out the owl sombras or why haven't we seen more of a transition into wrecking ball a hero that i've low-key thought would be the the meta main tank option in this patch. Yeah, it gets a little confusing because of the hero pool play, I think sometimes skews opinions on this. There was that one hero pool where Wrecking Ball looked unstoppable for a bit. And when, if especially if Brig feels unplayable for whatever reason, then maybe you would say, because she's her ability is just totally uh, throw him off um, mm -hmm. if she lands them. So that it's too much of a reliable hard counter. So if she's out, when she was out of the mix in the hero pools, then he looked, he looked really strong. Um, 
Wrecking Ball seemed more popular in APAC from what I saw. I didn't watch all of their games. I've watched more from NA. Um, and NA, it felt like certain teams tried him, like the Gladiators, for example, I think tossed OG out there a few times. Or Tank's OG, right? I'm not just remembering that. Yep. Um, on Wrecking Ball. And the problem is the engagement style you have to take with Ball is so obvious to all pros. In Ranked, I think sometimes as well, you can get, um, there's a, a bias, confirmation bias, I suppose, is what it is, uh, of when it works, it works hard, right? And you're like, boom, oh, yeah. I did a thing, and I killed the thing, I booped this guy, and they're all mined, and they're all dead, right? But you, but you kind of forget the times where it's like, I tried to engage, but they booped me away, yeah. so I have to run away, and now my team's screwed, okay? So you're right, I have it, no memory it, of those times. <laughs> <laughs> right. It, it's almost like they never happened. But I remember flexing in real life after the good games when you're, when you're on ball and you win. I'm like, oh, I'm so yeah, good at that's exactly right. confirmation. <laughs> He's kind of a win more hero, basically, or like you know he doubles right. down. You, you you land your play, it works harder, and it'll it'll. Right. Which is why, like, Chengdu is so fun to watch sometimes, right? Where it's like, they're f- flailing, they're flailing, they're flailing, boom! Like, the pile driver and the rocket comes in, everything perfect, and they wipe up the whole fight. Like, so it's a very boomer bust play style, just inherently. Um, so if you're ready for it, and you position right, and you, it, it, like, anytime the ball tries to engage and fails, you would have been like, well, we could have had a reliable engage with Winston and get the same thing every single time. And I think that's important with this meta uh, or, or just a, like overwatch league level play and it might just be a feature uh moving forward because of you know like you, do you really want to risk an entire map based on whether ball gets booped one direction or not right like winston's a much more reliable mm-hmm. we're going to send him to this spot every time isolate this thing and and it won't be as high of a peak but it, it's it's much more reliable so i i think that's why winston also he oh to explain that consistency he can always get on the team and cleave, right? Whereas Ball, there's some positions he can't play. Winston actually is more flexible with the positions he plays as well. It's not just more reliable, but it's he's more flexible even. Yeah. Um, where where you know you kind of want to face tank, and um, if you play in a certain spot where you're dodging a good ball engage, well, you just ball just can't engage there. Whereas Winston, he can play a corner, he can play in the open, he can play he can play more spots basically. Um, so yeah. That, that's my argument for Winston. That makes a lot of sense, and it, it explains why the majority of Overwatch League teams run Winston over Ball, but it actually, I think, also would lead me to believe that more teams should be running something like Ball if, even if it's less consistent, if it has that, like, spike ability of, like, Hey, we can do something crazy here. If you're a worse team, right? You, I, we, I mean, Death. We've been talking about this for years. Like the hail mary. Like, hey, I'm not gonna beat insert best team or insert team that's better than me. Let's just run ball and like we were gonna lose anyway. What? What? It doesn't matter. Like we're not gonna get two losses for this loss, right? Now, if you're playing in the tournament format, you might get two wins for a win, but. Uh, <laughs> You're not getting two losses for a loss, right? And if you're going to lose anyway, just go for it. Um, but I also understand, and, and we've seen a lot of teams, and this is a completely different tangent that we don't need to go on, just be like more risk averse Yeah. to like, oh, well, it's the standard thing. And I mean, for what it's worth, we'll probably grill teams if they're doing dumb things, right? Like 
it, it's, oh, you can't win. You can't win unless right. you win. <laughs> unless you win. Yeah, you don't win unless you win, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, th there's nothing more true in life than that. You don't win unless you win. <laughs> yeah, it, the thing, especially the thing I said about uh, focusing Zarya, right? That's right. a lot easier if it's Zarya Ball, which is why mm -hmm. I think we, it's more likely that they don't run the Zarya. But then it feels weird because your main tank needs the Zarya to not get rolled. So, uh, yeah, it's it's tough. Yeah, and there's also just not like an infinite amount of time in terms of like practice time to 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 like be wacky and try all this weird stuff. So I, I, I would, I, I doubt that we'll see too much crazy stuff, even though I think like the lower seed teams, like go out with a bang, right? Granted, if it's not good, it doesn't matter, but I don't know. It's just something to think about for sure. But, uh, the problem is yeah. I think these, these non-standard meta comps take a long time to develop. Right. Like, uh, Deathblow, I thought, uh, did a great job bringing in, you know, the anti-goats comps, right? Like, the dragons were running that for a long time yeah. and then it finally paid off. There's like, finally right. we've, we, we, we've cracked the code. And I think in some ways the double bubble comp to beat the spam meta is the same way where there's mm -hmm. this comp sitting over on the side. It's like, we got to get all the synergies, right? Like it, it's a comp where individually it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. But when you get the bubble and the Ananade to farm up primal and you got EMP, then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, it, it's obvious. It's just, it, their buttons are better. Like, right. you just, you got to pick it. That's, that's the way it looked to me by the end of it. Right. But before that, you, you know, you don't execute, well then halt kills you every time. Right. And you're like, well, why would I run anything but halt? So, yep. and, and it's very, I mean, everything is a zero sum game, right? Like you, if you're practicing this speculative comp, you're not practicing like something else right <laughs> so yeah, if you, yeah. you take that chance try to figure it out try to make it work and you're wrong then you're so far behind the eight ball on what is the level one meta or whatever so right uh, it, it really, really is a, a big big gamble um risk and, it for playoffs though i say because yeah, yeah it's over it's season's over you got right. you know one game and you're done uh, yeah. uh, if it, leave uh, it all out on the stage yep. to Blevins's point what other chance does any of the teams that play on Friday have, I mean, right. I, there's just, it, it feels really difficult and specifically maybe a team like Houston who doesn't seem to want to go back to Muma, who's their best Winston player and has hydration at the main tank, who is probably the worst Winston player in overwatch league. I mean, <laughs> from, from what I've seen, I don't want it to be true. I'm wearing the Jersey, I believe, but I, I don't at the same time. Yeah. I just <laughs> man, jump on Volskaya into the middle of the pa the mega room. I think everybody knows what I'm talking about since we're all uh, Overwatch fans. The just And just stand there. He just stood there and died. And he did it like three fights in a row. And it's, so when that's kind of like what you're dealing with, because the guy was a Genji and Pharaoh one trick for four years, and then all of a sudden right. you've got him on main tank, right? Like it's really hard to hey you've got to dive here you've got to take the space you've got to section off the healers but like how does he make all that work and how does he do everything perfectly and the the punishes when you are in a bad spot in overwatch like they're instant like you don't have time to go oh i need to back up now right it's oh i need to respawn now <laughs> yeah you'll be backing I, up very I quickly the wrong spot um Dude, so houston is so cursed man it's like they always get the right player like a season too late or they 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 got dante a year after they needed the tracer they sure. had muma but dive was trash so they developed hydration now now winston's meta again so what do they do incorporate him back in it's it's that man 
it's I mean, tough. I hope they do. Actually, I think that would be the play. That is to admit when you've made a, a wrong decision or need to reverse course and actually do it and realize that it's being reactive, it's being adaptive, it's being smart. It's not damning somebody or saying hydration right. wasn't good enough. It's saying our best chance to win is with this play. I'd love to see that from them. Just that this gives us our best chance to win mentality. So this is what we're going to do. And in fairness, we get that from them at times. They were one of the teams that was embracing this Shanghai, you know, hack, hack, uh, dive style and triple DPS last mm -hmm. year. You know, they've shown it, but they don't consistently and regularly go to that on time. Right. It's almost like, Oh, it's stage four. Now we're not making the playoffs. So all bets are off. Let's try it. Oh, look, it's working. Uh, yeah. oops, maybe we should have done it two months ago. Um, or, you know, it, it just, thankfully everybody's in the postseason this time around. So we got here and all <laughs> is make the right decision this time. Um, and if it is dive, man, hopefully, hopefully that's the case, but, um, all right. So uh, the one, I guess the one part of the DPS conversation, I expected to hear a lot about how powerful the snipers are. Um, and I didn't hear that. So can you talk to me about the position of maybe Widowmaker and Hanzo in this playoff meta that we're going to face and what it would take to get them involved? Because I've heard a lot about them. And honestly, I thought we'd just see a ton of Widowmakers in the, in the playoffs. Is that something you foresee or maybe a little less than, than I was personally hoping for? Well, uh, map specific, you always can run a Widow at the, at the pro level. But again, and uh, sorry if I'm copy-pasting too much here, but I feel the Countdown Cup informs this meta more than the patch does in a way. So it's like, well, it, what's the reason why we didn't see as much Widow then? We saw a bit, right? But it, it seemed like the... I mean, Carpet didn't play, right? <laughs> There's, they're playing their Somber player, not their Hitscan player. There's a reason for that. And that's because they think they have a, a read on the meta. And I think the reason for that is the mirror playstyle of that comp doesn't play in sight lines basically like if you have the type of comp that can choose to avoid sight lines well then widow's standing around with holding the bag you know and without things to fight if if there's a way for you to create those sight lines perhaps but if you play these faster characters what are you diving right like winston and diva like if you if what you say is uh turns out to be true i mean like zarya is exploitable okay you can boop her forward and what whatnot get a headshot fine but Winston, Diva, Tracer, Sombra. It's like, who are we diving at this point? In, in, at the owl level, the supports hide a lot of the time. So, so they're not out in the open getting sniped. So, uh, and if you're trying to set up that line of sight, you've already gotten flanked and gotten killed, right? So I think that's the reason why. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting the way that there's like a, a rule about the game, let's say, like shields are weak. So Widow is strong. That's, that's true but you don't have to play in those sight lines. So that you could break that rule by playing other characters that like create a different rule, which is I'm always behind you or whatever. Um, and, and you know, that's, that's the interesting thing about Sombra to me is that, that her infinite invisibility I, buff, I feel is really starting to get maximized by these owl pros where they're really stretching the limit of like, I can be in the perfect spot every single time and I feel maybe previously that wasn't as obvious, uh, maybe because, you know, there wasn't the right comp for it or whatever. But um, with that, like, if they if they land a hack, you just, you know, these mobile characters that were hiding in the bushes, guerrilla warfare tactics, right? I mean, that might be a good analogy, right? Where spam meta <laughs> wants to fight, like, in formation, and this the double bubble comp is guerrilla tactics. 
So they're coming out of bushes and stuff jumping out. And all of a sudden, you know, some, hi there. And it hacks you. <laughs> you can't get away. You can't use your abilities and you're just dead. So it's like the time. Widow's sick when the, the fight is open and uh, she has shots to take. But even then, like, Ash was was better. So uh, anyway, I, I think the, the play style is that um, unless the map is great, it's tough to find a target to, to shoot at as Widow. So because of that, you might as well be winning the positional game as they're they're fighting it. All right. So, Blevin, since I guess go. anyway, these are all guesses. <laughs> Maybe Anz just goes in there and doesn't miss, and it, it just changes everything that, I, that I've said. Uh, it's, it's all guesswork, and to be honest, we've seen multiple times, as been mentioned, you know, um, the stakes are so high with Overwatch League, and you've got coaches that really, really want to be employed next season. Um, you've got players that are trying to, to stay in the league, and and it really can backfire when you go out on a limb and you make a statement and you say, you know, this isn't the week 12 hero pool that they got wrong, right? This is the, we lost, we're going home hero right. pool of everything's available. And so with all of that, with the limited prep time, with every challenge, it's, it really does make a lot of these teams risk, risk averse and, and yeah. make them shy away from it, make them go, well, I mean, we've we've scrimmed against five teams and they all ran this composition and it's different than what we wanted to run and we only beat one of them or what we would whatever a scrim win is uh, in their minds, right? We're only happy with the way one of these scrims went. And it's so you only accrued a certain number of scrim bucks, is how you right, right, right. <laughs> um, so like they've then got to just adapt and be and just become what they've been playing against in in scrims all these times to right. avoid standing out in a negative light at a time when as soon as you're done players are getting cut right locker rooms are getting cleared right. out team, team houses right. are, are getting uh you know their spring cleaning done and and you know it's it's a very stress inducing environment and it doesn't always lead to we made the correct decision or we made the smart move and we we went with the what was the correct yeah. um I mean, death. Look, just look at season one. Like, imagine a, an alternate reality where Houston just ignoring the tracer ends up working for them. Like, imagine Houston in season one is at, like in that scenario is just like, yeah, we don't need tracer. We've defined the meta. It doesn't. Inv it doesn't involve tracer. Like, again, in order to win, you need to win, right? And and that was it. It turned out that that wasn't the case, but maybe like if we look at it in a different frame of reference, maybe like they're trying to break the meta without Tracer. Now, that's probably not what it was. They just didn't have anyone who was good at it. But I don't know. It's it it's it, it's really tough, and we have the um, the luxury of being able to sit back and be like. Oh, do our bidding. Play the fun thing that we want to see. Do the crazy thing. But it's like, yeah, if you try something different and it doesn't work, there's a non-zero chance that you just lose your job. Like, you know, so mm. it's certainly an easy thing for me to say other people should do. But uh, you guys uh, skipped a week. I don't know if there's too much of a departure, but I feel it plays into the points we're making. Um, Depay went really spicy on twitter did you guys see that oh i loved it dpa i want he shoulder checked packing 10 so hard on twitter <laughs> right i'm gonna I'm paraphrase what he said so they had a knockout 
series against them or like a you know blow for blow uh where gladiators barely showed up on top in the fifth map if i recall correctly and then he added packing 10 saying like your team plays better when you're coaching valorant basically telling him like you know i'm i'm the man like stay out of overwatch i'll just read it i've got it here ggs at la valiant players you guys are insane packing 10 stay free you probably should stick to valorant your team does better when you don't attend scrims half the time funny your best year is about as good as my worst year and we're still going to dominate playoffs probably the most salty tweet we've seen like we've seen some you know shade tossed but yeah. this one had that like salty almost yeah. passive aggressive right like like there's been exchanges oh, yeah. behind the scenes i would say aggressive aggressive yeah <laughs> okay fair enough i i always say that too by the way i hate the term passive aggressive i try not to use it i was like no no i'm aggressive aggressive i'm not passive aggressive well, I, I hate i i think that passive aggression exists i just hate the actual passive aggression where it's just like oh yeah you guys did really great yeah no it was uh, no i mean i i think it was a really well fought like like it's a little it's a well, we don't need to get into the semantics of it. But, but the reason why I bring this up, though, is because I feel Deepay is maybe the, I don't know, uh, the, the star coach that has his team do different things. I mean, like, I brought him up already a couple times. Like, well, they tried Zarya Ball, and yeah. it kind of got rolled. It had a swap. And there, uh, he's he's gone at length to describe that he's trying to teach his team alternate win conditions. And sometimes then his players look a little lost, and maybe they would you know do better under a coach crusty type system where it's like we drill everything perfectly whereas uh i've spoken to deep i've interviewed him before he likes a fluid game and maybe and that that's more like where my head's at as a cr content creator mm -hmm. but that also would probably make me a bad coach because you just need to be disciplined to the meta not creative like being creative doesn't win you any awards and uh, you know, it seems like DP has a little chip on his shoulder, right? Where uh, the Valiant have sort of grinded their way up and uh, the Gladiators might feel a little snubbed for their accomplishments and maybe even more importantly for the risks they take. Like, I don't feel like people really bring that up, that they're trying different things and it kind of doesn't work most of the time, I would say, to be honest. And and no one really knows as a viewer who the innovators innovators of the scene really are. We We get these stories coming out of like, oh, some team tried Torb and it destroyed, so we all copied it right like mm -hmm. we don't get to see that unfold which is why i was always a big fan of patch uh tournaments like new patch here's a tournament teams try to hide strats whereas in the scrims it's like it feels like a lot of that's worked out ahead of time yeah. and maybe with the, with this new patch adding some chaos we might get a little bit of that where, where a team finds an edge that they know about but isn't widespread known and and maybe that benefits them and and i know from speaking yeah. to dpay he, he loves that kind of gameplay whereas overwatch typically doesn't doesn't really reward it that much a, a little bit with hero pools but not in the tournaments anyway it feels like and he's definitely one to even on a more of a micro scale um with you know the the great debate right that was that was <laughs> right that, that team you know and it, that's as simple as like <clears throat> what if we just all walk in one square all the way around the point and like make them forget that it's a six v six game, make it hard to count to six when we're when we're moving and they just don't realize we left somebody in the spawn room. Like that's a much more micro version of that. But um and we saw it, I don't remember the specific play, but in 
uh, Houston's last game, they kind of had like a Hail Mary strategy or something they were doing. And I don't remember the specifics of it. It didn't work. So like nobody talks about it. But at the same time watching it, I'm like, this is brilliant. Um, you know, this, this is, this is great. This is one of those things where if this worked and all of a sudden there's a surprise map win against this opponent for this team, right? Like it's just the, it's the, it's a really creative, really fun, interesting moment. Um, and I think it's, it's a great call out to specifically look to a team like the gladiators to maybe have that wrinkle or maybe do something just that little bit different, um, thinking in the way that. Uh, the Dallas Fuel with Mickey on Brig in season one brought him in when that was a brand new character and had success with it beyond what a lot of other teams and a lot of other players had had, had on the role. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, a very great and, and specific call out to make. Um, all right, I, I guess we'll we'll go real quick uh, as far as the supports go. Mercy has got to be picked if there's like Ash and if there's the Widowmaker, but it sounds like we're leaning a little more the double bubble dive, uh, bu- you know, bubblegum overwatch, I'm going to call it, if that's okay. I've, mm-hmm. I've got I've to borrow that term. Um, you know, and but what is, how do the healers fit into the, the kind of meta you're envisioning? Uh, we talked a lot about Brig already, and there's so much unknown there. So I guess, is there a world where Brig's good? What's paired with her? And if she's bad, what replaces her? Yeah, if she's bad, uh, Mercy would replace her, I think, as the, the go-to pick there. Um, yeah, it, when you talk about supports, a lot of things come to mind. It's another reason why um, I think the, the Hog Zarya comp just wouldn't work because, like, then you can go, like, Zen without fear of getting Dove and you, just pro Zens have way too much firepower and the focus fire would be immense. Um, so you got to play something that's more flexible. Sorry? I was just going to say, like, Zen Anna feels really good against that Roadhog meta for at the pro level. Yeah, yeah, that's why another, you know, there's a lot, again, we're, with the guesswork, we're, we're trying to figure out the seven, seven degrees of Kevin Bacon or uh, hog, hog bacon or something. <laughs> it changes the, the phraseology <laughs> here. Um, so yeah, I, I think Anna is absolutely crucial for the Winston comp to work because of how just everything, like the breakpoints of everything and how nano boost is so required to get that ultimate cycle working with he just does more damage and has is harder to kill, so he could he farms up primal, and that that's like so required for the the playstyle to work. So I just I think Ana's like non negotiable basically, um, and then I'm not sh- I'm not sure about Brig, honestly. I'm just not exactly sure. Like I don't know if the it, to me it feels like the 200 health points was is too low actually, um, to the point where like a lot of things kill her easily and at least against it depends what you're talking about up against as well like in the winston diva mirror she always can land an ability and be safe so maybe then she can still be played up against hog though it just feels like you'd rather just have anna do that job because she can land her abilities from range safely whereas brig has to be a bit too close to, uh, uh, to be comfortable up against it whereas winston and diva coming in they don't insta kill brig even if she has less health now, right? So that means she can play around the, the positioning game and, and manipulate them a bit and get away and, and be able to heal. So that's how I see that working out anyway. All right. Well, that's, 
I don't know if I have more or less questions than when we started talking. I guess. <laughs> well, but I think for I time feel, we'll probably go with less. <laughs> I, I do feel like I have a much better understanding of yeah. the, the challenges and the the chess match and what some of the different options are here. And um, it's really important, I think, to realize that when you go into these things, that there's always you know probably two or three ways it can go. And I think we laid out a few of them either. Mm-hmm. The, the damage numbers are oppressive and we get the gigahog comp version of the game that we've got, or uh, we get the double bubble, which to me sounds like it might be really good if there's a mix, you know, if we've got some people playing heavier hog and other people playing more traditional dive, maybe that's a good starting point. And maybe we drop the Zarya entirely if it just becomes dive versus dive versus dive and it's all anybody's doing. Um, so I think there's a lot here and there's a lot obviously for the teams to digest and weigh and, and balance into their, their decision makings in the coming weeks. And that is, man, when this, when this all started, when like two years ago, I was hating the idea of patches before playoffs and stuff like that. But now, and especially I think in the hero pool world that we've been in, in overwatch league, where it's kind of just been move in a little bit even if not like crazy it just it feels much more natural to get a new patch and a new change uh at the moment so i'm i'm really really pumped for watching this all kind of unfold um as the the week goes on and we even have the added benefit of not having to play comp in this this patch and in this meta game we <laughs> we can go play what hopefully turns out to be a, a much more balanced and uh and and traditional style of overwatch and comp too so um yeah all right yeah but like you said for the interest of time we should probably talk about the matches that we know are going to be happening this coming weekend yes not not a lot of them um but we'll kind of lay out what the structure of the weekend is going to look like it's not even weekend it's starting on what is it thursday Thursday. wednesday thursday yeah thursday Actually, it might be Wednesday night. I don't know the timing on the the Asia bracket. I just watch yeah. them when they're spots. Thursday <laughs> in the morning. Thursday. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I got the schedule pulled up here. Cool. Um. Yes. Yeah. So on. Oh yeah. You you have it labeled. God, I'm stupid. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we have the play-ins. Uh, started <clears throat> starting on Thursday. We've got Houston versus Boston. We've got Vancouver versus Washington. Let's start death with your boys in green. Houston versus Boston. This is, you were talking about this before. This is like your dream match, right? Like you get to see your favorite team <laughs> play against your least favorite team. And in even more perfect fashion, I mean, every every metagame we just outlined what is one constant theme that no boston sucks there's no reinhardt involved here um and i really think fusions is a completely different player on that hero versus the rest of the dive heroes and while i have to admit it gives them a run for their money as far as who the worst Winston is hydration versus versus fusions. Um, that is a very interesting and valid conversation to have <laughs> between the two of them. Um, there's just a depth to Houston and there's an ability to at least play passably. Like, listen, there's no doubt this has been a disappointing season for Houston. Just look at the win totals to find out. But when you really sit down and watch them play, by the end of the season, I I got a little bit what I was talking about from the preseason, Blevins, Mm -hmm. where they really did look like a much better team. Now, uh, 
the guys on plat chat love to say it i don't have a better way to say it they're just the most anti-clutch team in in the league and it's not particularly close if there's a team that can find a way to lose a match this season it's going to be the especially one they should win it's right. going to be the houston outlaws so well, even I, historically though in the previous years too not just this season right no it was, Am i remember it, that correctly i mean lots so, of map five losses i remember there was a lot of talk about map five losses in the past but my counter to that was like yeah, they've lost a lot of map fives and a lot more than they've won. But I could have said that about maps one, two, three, and four as well. Um, so I wasn't, to me, I didn't really start to get sold on the fact that it was like a map five or a, a clutch problem until this year when really they did kind of level up their, their gameplay on a consistent basis to being able to get into that situation for the one dragon blade to crush their dreams against the valiant in that game. Or, you know, they just, now they're like reliably getting to those situations instead of whenever they popped up, they lost, but like they were losing way more often than winning at every other map and every other match. So I wasn't right. there's between being not very good and being good enough, but choking. Is that, that's what right. you're trying to say? Yeah, basically? absolutely. And I think now, and listen, maybe it was a choking problem before, and it was just kind of, at least in my mind, masked by the fact that they just weren't that good overall, but now we are starting to see at least a base level of competence um, and, and really just quality, like team oriented gameplay come out of this team. It just falls apart and hasn't led to, to match wins. Thankfully they do play against the Boston uprising. And I am pretty confident that they're just the better team here. Um, we did see, I mean, Boston's won twice all year, and one of them was the Toilet Bowl seven map first of four garbage <laughs> against Houston in like week three, right? The but difference is hilariously bad. He, hilariously <laughs> super entertaining. Like, even as a fan of the team that lost, I was like on the edge of it was phenomenal for spectator experience, if not the most shining example of, of pristine Overwatch <laughs> gameplay that you've ever had. But um, I, I guess at the end of the day, I'm just there's a depth to Houston. There's a level of, of ability to play within this style that transcends like your weakest players, your main tank, which is really important on the Winston, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I've got Houston winning this one. I've got it three. What is it? I don't even know what the, it's going to be best of or first two or whatever we, in these players. Yeah, but we, we don't need to call specific matches. Yeah. I, I, I give like one map to, to Boston here, but like they've not shown the ability to play any of those dive DPS style of heroes. They really need to be like Jerry on Ash or Widowmaker or something to really, really be succeeding. And even in this matchup, Linkser counters Jerry's ability on any of those heroes. I take Linkser in that fight heads up. Um, you know, he's a little inconsistent maybe has a bad day that day but you're to me you're talking about like the meta needs to be locked in on winston um in in order for that main tank battle to be a draw and linkser's got to be having a terrible day for them to lose the dps battle color hex versus dante it's not close dante is just the better player yeah there's there's a depth of talent that doesn't exist on, on Boston. And maybe it's just Myung Bong's day. Maybe Jerry does pop off. I'm not saying it's out of the realm of possibility, but I, I do think Houston have to be the favorites here um, by a sizable margin. Frito, who do you got in this one? Also, we'll just kick you off the call. If you give me the wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> I know I should answer this question, but it cropped up in my mind that this podcast I think has like some bad luck curse because both <laughs> of your teams are famous 
for choking. And there's always this debate about choking or sandbagging or bad uh-huh. or whatever with both your teams. It's it, there's a running theme there. And I, I think you guys are going to bl- play basically because I, I agree. Honestly, <laughs> what, how did you think that was the answer I wanted? Frida? <laughs> Bringing up history and curses was not what we wanted. To it might've been highly relevant, but shut up. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't need to go into depth. I don't think I, I would take Houston here. The only way I would see it not going that way is if like, some meta shakeup just proves that Boston has like a pop-off player that Houston can't deal with or or like they drop a map or something figuring out the meta, uh, you know, or the or surprise comp or something. Like we've seen that happen where, where upsets, it looks like, um, I think particularly with Fusion losing recently where it was like there's some games where they thought they had a read on the meta, they didn't, and they just get rolled. Or, or uh, it was against the Gladiators actually. Um, a really great series in the regular season where they they ran one comp it didn't work at all and then they were like just bring funny astro in run lucio it's not very good but we know how to run that style and then they reverse swept right like uh, overwatch is like that where the better team doesn't always win if you're playing the wrong way and mm-hmm. uh, houston definitely has the capacity to throw <laughs> in that way if they're like hard-headedly doing the wrong yeah. thing and 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 it's almost better to like not over prep for this kind of match basically right because i don't want to hear any of this like but we scrimmed this all week. No, 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 no. Like everyone can see what is and isn't working. Yeah. So if Houston doesn't seal the deal on this, I'm going to be upset. Yeah. You're I, gonna be upset. <laughs> I, I will say, uh, and this can just go out to every Overwatch League team, player, staff, coach, etc. Not a single fan has ever once or ever will care about what you did or didn't scrim. Like, just win, forehead. Like, that is never an acceptable excuse to the fans. You can say it all you want. We don't care, ever. Um, just that's, win, that's forehead. That's never more true than when you have a round one opponent in the Boston Uprising who's won twice on the season. You have to, have to, have to win that game yeah. if you're a competitive Overwatch team. Have yeah. To uh which uh, uh yeah i mean i'm definitely picking houston here I, as much as i want the troll victory uh i, I want I, I what i want more is for houston's hopes to be raised so that it's even more crushing when they when they blow it uh we don't have, <laughs> we don't have hope left that's true um <laughs> moving on the other game on thursday is vancouver titans versus washington justice death what's your take on this one this one is admittedly really really difficult and that's to me because there is this x factor around vancouver and we've just seen such a limited amount of them as far as like the range of meta games we've seen them perform in right and we have had hero pools which have helped but they've really never shined and and it's it's really hard to imagine them going into this dive play style which is is chaotic but there's so much order inside that chaos right there's so much planning and and execution that the top level dive teams um have at their disposal and i do hate washington too like they're ever since decay playing decay got uh, signed by washington right he is uh i did like a shame shame I did a long rant about what a scumbag move that signing was in our, in our last episode. Um, but he did play and he didn't lead to a win. Go figure. Like you just, 
if you put the K on a bad team like Washington or Dallas, they're still a bad team. They're just exciting. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. It's it's very interesting. I am leaning Washington slightly here. Um, but again, there's that X factor. I, I can't like um, Shockwave was so impressive at times this season. And a lot of those times it was on heroes that I think have a real chance to be high impact in this metagame. Um, you know, specifically the snipers, but like now you're talking with Kenny beat decay and that one V it's really hard to imagine. I'm going to lean Washington here. I think it's pretty close. Um, even if the score doesn't reflect that after the fact, I think, you know, thinking about it ahead of time, you, you've got to at least recognize that there's a real opportunity for either team to, to make it out of this match and into Friday. So um, I'll take Washington. I just think the whole season, I think they have more people, like they don't have ping issues. Like it's just so hard to pick a team like Vancouver with everything that's been stacked up against them all year long. And even though they've been able to get a couple of wins against teams that are in this same range as Washington. Um, man, I just, there's, there's so many questions, coaching staff, like how do they react to this massive change and, and all those things. Um, yeah, I'll go Washington. Super, super close though. Frito, who you got? I was thinking up my answer this whole time. And then you mentioned coaching staff and I'm like, damn, that's a good point. Cause I was going <laughs> to go with the Titans. I think I still will, but they are definitely a team that could be prone to having the wrong read up the meta and not being prepared enough or the meta just not even be figured out in time, right? Like it's one thing if everyone else figures out the meta and then you can just copy it and then your coaches can be like, oh, I, I, cause I mean, co learning from great players isn't that hard. Like I've made a career of doing it. They figure <laughs> it out. I'm just like, oh, that they jump there and they focus that thing. Oh, that seems to work really well. It's not that difficult to learn from other people. If um, I watch it 15 times, I can start to understand what they were doing. Go figure, right? But yeah. Right. But the Titans coaching, you know, it, it's tough to give them a bad grade because they did just get a brand new team, right? But that looked to be quite a weakness for them in, in these games that they've had. I, I haven't had many, but, and they definitely have improved. Their individual players are, I, I would actually take above Washington. Partic Shockwave is a great one. His stats are pretty remarkable. I usually ignore stats, but when they are that much of an outlier, it's like, hold on, there's something going on here. Um, the, the one player that sticks out in my mind is Shredlock, who uh, is their main tank, that I like his play style because he seems to commit to the play. Like, there's a, as opposed to Roar, they're like night and day tanks to me. Roar is lucky that hydration's on tank, so someone else can be the worst Winston in the league. But like, <laughs> Roar is disgusting with his play sometimes, where I, I'm just completely shocked where... Uh, they can get in situations where they should win, and it's a, it's a spot where your tank and support fundamentals should just carry the fight, but yet they find ways to lose fights, Washington, uh, this season especially. And I think Roar and just either the calling structure or Roar himself, I don't know who to blame specifically, but Washington finds ways to lose fights in, the, in that way, whereas Vancouver might make mistakes, but they're looking to win the fight, right? Like they might overaggress a lot of times, but they, you know, they'll they're committing together and they're trying to make things happen, which I think is a template to be, to improve. Now they might get screwed by not understanding the meta or not being coached or prepared or, or ready enough. Uh, this is the biggest game they've ever had, right? Like they came in with no expectations, but now you're in playoffs all of a sudden. You just got signed. The players across from them have a lot of uh, experience. I tend to not weigh that too much, especially for uh, online on land, maybe a little bit more. Uh, anyway, so that's my my long list of concerns. I will go with the Titans 
for the main tank difference, MTD, but <laughs> I could see it going either way and Decay might just do Decay things and, and you get headshot too many times and just get boomed and you give up yeah. mentally, right? Like that, we've seen that happen to, to teams uh, playing against Decay, so I wouldn't be surprised for, for that to occur. Yeah. Right, but we need a coin. You're the best we've got. Flip uh, yourself. Um, all right. No, no, not gonna happen. Backflip. Just, I'd love to see it. What if I just backflipped <laughs> out of this chair? How sick would that be? Uh, you get so many YouTube subs, not only from from bringing on a, a YouTube celebrity, but also from having video of of you doing a backflip would be invaluable. No, I think it would be more from uh, being on the front page of live stream fails immediately. <laughs> That's where the subs would. All publicity is good publicity. Uh, you say that, but um, yeah, I mean, I gotta go with with Washington here it's so tough to consistently pick uh the Titans I mean all the all the points that you guys brought up are are really good here Uh, the one that I I, it doesn't have to do with this match specifically necessarily um it it also applies to Houston and Boston is that it's 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 not out of the realm of possibility so Frito, you brought up like, okay, the meta might not be figured out yet, right? If you see other people doing it, you can copy it. These teams might have figured something out, right? Or like if 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 one of the other teams, like it, it really depends on what team has figured what out, right? They've had a few weeks. So you, that's a good they, point. They, they have, knew this was going to be the patch for a while. This isn't right. like, this isn't it like last week. It's exactly. Weeks. It's not brand new, but like it, this is the time where teams are obviously keeping things as close to the chest as possible, right? So there's a non-zero chance that any one of these teams could have come up with it. But it's just statistically, the wor- the these teams that are playing first are worse off, right? Because, like, if Atlanta Rain, for instance, has some crazy strat... Like they, uh, like they don't. Ha- these teams don't have the chance to see that or adapt to that or or what have you. If Boston has a crazy strat, that's great for them. And if it were, if it's good, um, but then also Dallas and Atlanta and and everyone else has a chance to adapt to that. So just something to bring up that maybe there's some there's some crazy looming strat or or something like you know we we talked about that uh Houston and Shanghai uh sort of embraced last season of like hey maybe there's a meta breaker comp out there and uh you know maybe the the comp of the playoffs will be defined in it maybe it's this round maybe it's uh in in a later round but long story short I'm going with Washington here uh again it's just too hard for me to pick the Titans uh consistently so all right, well, it's all on you, Flubby. That's the head coach of Vancouver. Uh, to, to get, I was like, to did get you give back. the coin a new name? And also, why are we flipping it with three people? <laughs> yep, the coin's uh, named Flubby now for some reason. Um, <laughs> we'll see if they, if they, I don't know. We'll see if they get the meta right. Maybe we'll we'll honor him if if Vancouver wins the Overwatch League this season. Yeah, we'll, we'll name the coin Flubby. Like sure. Flubby. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'm willing to do that. The coin name is on the line for Vancouver I'm specifically. To, I'm willing to do nothing as well. Okay, so <laughs> um, moving on, we don't actually have the opponents for any other matches. So I'm just going to kind of give you guys a rundown of what the weekend's going to look like. And then maybe if we've got any, we can talk about teams that we think might have a, a good chance to stand out in the the 
kind of metagames that we've been talking about this episode. Um, so after Thursday, the Gladiators are going to pick between the winners of the day. So the winners of Houston versus Boston and Vancouver versus Washington. And also the Toronto Defiant are in the pool of teams that can be picked as the opponent here. They were placed well enough to not need to participate. I was wondering one. where they were. <laughs> but they did not get to pick their opponent in round two. So yeah, the Gladiators will pick and then I didn't actually check on the order here, but either whoever's next up, uh, Atlanta or Dallas, uh, will get to pick. And then uh, I believe it's Dallas that's the lowest ranked of the three. They would get whoever's left. Okay, so yep. they will then play out those three matches on Friday. And that brings us to the end of Friday. On Saturday, the play-ins are done, and we're officially into the double elimination bracket, okay? Um, there will be picks here again at the end of Friday, and that will be Philadelphia choosing between the qualified teams there, and then there's one more. I'm blanking on who it was. Valiant? Oh, the LA Valiant, yes. The LA Valiant. Oh, wow, are another... I picked that up just by looking at the teams. Man, it's almost like... We've been covering the Overwatch League since its inception. <laughs> it's almost like that's true. Um, so, yeah, the Philly Fusion will pick between any of the three qualifying teams from play-ins or the LA Valiant. And then after that, San Francisco picks next, then Paris picks, then Florida gets whoever's left over yeah. uh, to make up the end of the semifinals. Also, I'm sorry, that's that's, that's the, the end, end of Saturday. The, get yeah, those that's four the end of the quarters. Up. We start the semifinals on Sunday, okay? So everything from here is here on out is bracket-based. There's no more picking. Yep. There's no more any any of that, okay? So the winner of the Fusion versus whoever they select and the winner of the Florida Mayhem and whoever they get stuck with goes on to face off on Sunday in the semifinals. Also on Sunday is the winner of San Francisco versus their picked opponent, and the winner of the Paris Eternal versus their picked opponent. That is also on Sunday. The last two matches of Sunday, I actually don't know the order of them. I could have it wrong. Who knows? Um, we go dip down into the loser's bracket. We get some playoff elimination games. The loser from the first quarter final. So the loser of, what is that, Philly and their picked opponent. Yep. Um, face off against the loser of San Francisco and their picked opponent, and then the other two, the loser yeah. of Florida versus and Paris versus face off as well in the loser's bracket. Um, and that wraps up our weekend. So after that, we'll have the whoever's eliminated from the play-ins, right? Only three teams emerge from there. And then we'll have two more that make it into the double bracket, but don't escape the weekend. So a ton of Overwatch going on over the, the course of those four days. Entire playoff arcs will be determined, right? Like there's yeah. going to be a team that is on a high of making it through play-ins, a low seed. Here's our chance, the Cinderella story, only to just be summarily get their teeth kicked in and knocked out. Like it's, it's going to be a ride for some fan bases this yeah. weekend. And I am certainly here for it. The we question also, I, go ahead. I was just going to say, we also have Asia as well. Oh yes, yes, we do. Um, that is just a, an entirely different bracket. Yeah. And that is, we know uh, Chengdu versus London and that's it. <laughs> Chengdu versus London. And then going into the next round, which is New York, uh, we'll get to pick. Yep either the whoever wins that one or the soul dynasty um and then the other match will be hangzhou whoever's, whoever's not picked there versus hangzhou yep. 
Um, and then we go into double elimination bracket after that. Yep. Um, I want to say the, f- I don't know exactly in the Asia bracket, what is and isn't played this weekend. Um, we're using the actual bracket on the website, which yeah. is a little goofy and the playoffs round three, just show like, what is that? September 6th through 13th or 5th through 13th. Something yeah. like that. So basically your interpretation of the website and you can go to the Overwatch League website is as good as what we're <laughs> going to describe. So go ahead and do that. But obviously there you have uh, the Shanghai Dragons and the Guangzhou Charge being unlocked and they will, um, I believe, get to pick their opponents there. Um, So they'll be, Shanghai will pick between the winner of New York and their opponent or the the winner of Hangzhou and their opponent. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it's double elimination bracket. It's a much smaller bracket with only seven teams. But it's the same exact, it's basically the same exact format. It's just a smaller bracket. Yeah, it's just about half the size. So um, nothing super crazy over there. Um, and I guess, yeah, let's look at the, the first round, though. We do have Chengdu versus London. I got to think, personally, I'm going to just kind of fast forward right to the last page here. I've got to think Chengdu and Dive has to be pretty well-suited against a team that's really struggled to find too much identity in, in the London Spitfire. And we're talking about, you know, if it is very dive-oriented, if we're getting away from the Widowmakers, the McCrees, the Ashes, that kind of hit scan, and we're going more into the Tracers and the Sombras, I, it's Glister gets taken away from London. It's one of their best players. I, I'm going Chengdu. It's super close. Um, but I, there's a chance this meta, you know, if I'm right about ball, et cetera, et cetera, like there's a chance Chengdu gets hot here. They've shown it at times during this season. There's no consistency there, but that's enough for me to pick them over London. Who's been pretty consistent in a negative way, uh, throughout the course of the season. So I'll, I'll take Chengdu in that one, Frito, who you got there. Copy your homework on that one. (laughs) I I don't have much more to say. Both these teams are kind of underwhelming for different reasons for me. So um i would say though if i recall correctly london spitfire has pavane as their coach who was the new york excelsior coach uh, before that so at times london look like they have their act together to me as a team and, and they seem to punch above their their weight um which is like contrast to the entire Chengdu philosophy which seem they're, they're exactly the opposite team whereas london is like they look like a pretty well coached team sometimes and they can get their act together Chengdu looks like they don't have coaches and they're they're you know they can pop off on any given week basically uh obviously that's not true they there's more method to their madness than that but that's how it looks to me in terms of what play styles they prefer anyway uh and so, so yeah I'll, I'll i'll say Chengdu as well though um all of the previous discussion about like having the right read on the meta and all yeah. that um applies here i would say for sure for for both these teams because Chengdu might be like, well, we're just going to run the thing we want. So the funny thing about Chengdu is sometimes they the meta is the thing they like off meta, right? No matter what it is, almost, it seems like even if the meta is the thing they normally play, <laughs> they they like like it less yeah. It yeah, seems, it. Yeah. because because they want to counter the meta, which right. I don't think is the proper way to coach Overwatch. It's a very card um, game esque style of play. Yeah, and it's inherently unreliable. Yeah. Um. So I, I wanted to pick London, but I think the skill level of these players might just trump that. There's also one thing I want to mention because there's one guy in our Discord that is screaming Chengdu from the top of his lungs. And uh, you, can just, you can admit that it's you, Death. It's okay. It's, it's not. Uh, <laughs> there's, 
there's one guy and he really, really believes, and there is an X factor here. And it's one of the patch notes that we didn't discuss at the top of the episode. Uh, there was some significant Farah changes. Jinmu will just lock Farah and play it no matter what. And if there's any chance that that hero is really impactful or really, really important in some way, or even just capable of catching people off guard right. in a meta where they're not prepared to run the, the hit scans, it really, really could be a, a thing for Chengdu here. But Blevins, who do you got in this matchup? I, I got to go with Chengdu again. I'll, I'll, I'll copy the homework, but to Chengdu has, and, and you alluded to it, both of you alluded to it. They have that sort of wow factor possibility, right? We can't say that about every team in the Overwatch League right now. Now, granted, obviously any team can beat any team theoretically, but that sort of like, you know, we've called it sports magic where like, yeah, the team can pop off and you don't need to be consistent, right? You don't need to be the best team uh, in the Overwatch League overall. You need to be the best team right now. You need to catch uh, you know, lightning in a bottle that will pay off here. Unlike in the long, you know, long slog of the season, you can catch lightning in a bottle. You can do something that's off meta and maybe it, maybe long-term it doesn't work, but maybe you counter the meta for that weekend, right? That's huge. Getting individual wins is absolutely huge in the playoffs and Chengdu more so than many other teams feels like they have that capacity to do, to do that. So I, I'm going to believe uh, there's a reason they're called Cheng Do and not Cheng Don't. Um, and it has nothing to do with where they're from. It is, it is, you got it, you got it, you got to believe. Give me Cheng Do here. How are, how are we going to talk about the, I think you're muted, by the way, Deathblow. How are we going to talk about these other matches? Do we want to like pick out some teams that, you know, wh who we think is going to come out on top? Because we yeah. we can't guess all the matches, right? But yeah, there's but, no there's no way to do that. And if we didn't have such a big meta conversation, Blevins and I probably would have tried. Um, but let's do yeah. exactly that. Let's just. Are there any teams on the NA side that aren't in those first playoff uh, play-in rounds that we discussed? Teams you think Frito have a, a real chance to pop off, and and what is it about them that you think will fit into this meta? No. Next question. <laughs> so the, 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 that is a good question. I did set yeah, you up. Francisco wins it all. <laughs> well, <laughs> here's the reason why, though, and I think this happens, I would say that both in, in APAC and NA, there is such distinct tier differences to me in both regions where we have to remember this format is a very inclusive one where, oh, everyone's got a shot to maybe make a run. But in a normal playoff, like a big chunk of these teams wouldn't even be invited, basically, yeah. you know what I mean? Just based on the format. So I think there's there's a lot of teams here that are gifted a chance to make a run, but I don't actually see any Cinderella. There's not like a team I can look to and be like, in any meta, do I think, will they like trump some of the top teams? Um I would say I am a bit worried for the Florida Mayhem and the Paris Eternal, who seem to like ebb and flow with the meta a bit more than Philly and Shock do. Like they're, they're teams that have upset at the right times, but if it doesn't land for them, they may they might not go as far. But anyone below them, I'm just like writing them off basically. Um, I would be really surprised if they make significant runs even past the next round, basically. 
Well, that was just a beautiful segue for the two teams I want to talk about here, Frito. So big thank you for that. I've got an arrow up and an arrow down. I've got one team that I think has a chance to be even better than normal within this playoff meta as we've kind of um, laid it out. And the one I think has got a chance to improve is the Florida Mayhem. Um, I think we talked about, you know, the the one DPS composition that came to mind was um, – Tracer and Sombra together. And that to me is a perfect fit for what Yaki and BQB are able to do. This is a team that I think does rise and fall a bit, as you said. And I think a lot of it has to do with the DPS heroes that are active in any given meta at the time. Um, they're in a weird spot. Their best Tracer players, their best Genji player, and that's made things like a little clunky at times. But Sombra is BQB territory. Tracer is Yaki territory. I think if that's what the meta is, they're going to know what they want to do. They're going to hit the ground running and they're going to have success with it. I also think Fate has been a very, very good, like top three Winston player in Overwatch League in seasons past when Winston was good been a minute since that's really been the case but we did see that resurgence of the you know the double bubble bubblegum overwatch composition that we we've had kind of late in the year uh he's fit in really well there um and really i think as long as it's not suddenly a lucio meta on the uh support side i i think they just lose a lot of their weaknesses a lot of the things that can really go wrong for them they just seem to fit into what we're kind of outlining the meta to be mm. assuming, assuming we're right the team that I've got a big old arrow down on, what was the other team you mentioned, Frito? Oh, that's right. It was the Paris Eternal. I absolutely agree. They're a little bit volatile, and I think it centers around their tank line. Um, there's no doubt about the resurging, resurgent year that Ben Best has had this season. Um, he's really upped his game. It was He was always kind of this Reinhardt kind of, not really one trick, but just like Reinhardt specialist, right? It was similar to fusions but like plus 10 percent across the board and that like you just get the best out of him when he gets to play that hero and i made a, a giga brain five head call early in the season about how houston was gonna beat uh, the paris eternal when they were forced into a houston metagame for like the first ever hero pool or whatever it was um and i i've Really think that's going to continue on. Now, Ben Best is much improved on the Winston from that time, but they're still, even late in the year, we're a little indecisive. Are we bringing in no smite when it's Winston time, or what are we doing? And I think that when you talk about, listen, it might not matter in the first round, first two rounds, right? Like, they might make it to the winner's finals, but um, this is a team that should probably be talked about as a potential league winner, but we're going into a hero pool that, like, if it's Tracer and and Sombra together, is Sparkle on the stage? Like, is he playing? I don't know. I legitimately don't know if they get him in there. The way they've been playing, it might be Eggsy and Soon. I'm much less scared of Eggsy Soon than I am Eggsy Sparkle. I don't care about the heroes personally, but that's what the team wants to do. So I think they're really, really well coached, and I think they've done remarkable things this year, but I feel like this meta might be getting away from them. Um, it's just kind of a gut feeling. They're still, you know, like you said, they're not one of the teams you write off because they're just too talented. You know, they're in that top four of, of the standings where you really think, okay, they're one of the runners or the, you know, one of the, the teams in contention, but I a little bit agree with Frito. I don't see a Cinderella story happening here. Right. Unless somebody has that offbeat weird, um, yeah. 
inside track on what the what the best thing in the meta is if somebody develops something that's just busted um and has a head start on it that's the way we get that that kind of a story but um yeah at least on the na side of things those are the two that i'm really thinking um are impacted the most uh i also hate to say it because they're just going to choke anyways but new york would probably be pretty well suited on the apac side to transition Mm -hmm. into something very dive based um i think if somehow the meta gets to the point where obviously they get zenyatta and their support line i think that could tremendously help new york as well um so maybe that ties into how good slash bad is Brig and you know in her new form and what these teams are trying to do maybe that's a, a high impact um meta option as well that that new york's able to level up there but um since i stole your team right in the last second there blevins why don't we go to you anybody you think is is arrow up or arrow down or really impacted by the meta? no I, the, the you guys brought up a lot of good points and especially for time i don't i don't want to dwell too much on it i i, I the long and short of it is it's it's really hard for me to look at these matchups and see anyone really coming out of the woodwork and and per, and overperforming here. It's hard to do that. Like mm. you brought up a really good point, Frito, that like a lot of these teams just wouldn't even be here in under normal circumstances. And like when there's that like you know, when when you're like the last quarter or maybe the last eighth of the se- of a season and you like need to really fight to make the playoffs. Like you start to see like the storyline starts then where it's like they scrapped and they got that, you know, wild card spot or, you know, they made it into the last seed of the playoffs. And you can see that start to bubble up and go here. It was like, well, there's a bunch of like essentially like makeup games played in the last couple of weeks. And like, it didn't matter at all. Like what are the state? Like, Yes, like whole season doesn't matter. Actually, none of it mattered. If you I think mean, about it, I mean, there was no gatekeeping to get to the playoffs. So, I mean, how many buys do you get? Yeah. It's, it's just yeah. one buy. Yeah, or, or yeah, you're playing a lot for one buy. And as someone who in in competitive magic has you know done a lot for one to three buys, I, I understand that. But it is not the same as playing for your life in the rest of the mm-hmm. season, right? And because of that, we didn't see the like, you know, an Atlanta rain really make a run and look like a contender and then have a really crazy, uh, you know, late performance against San Francisco um, that bumped last them down year. to the loser bracket it, last year. Right. Exactly. We don't we didn't see that um, just inherently. So it's really hard to predict that and i'm not going to because of it so long story short uh i'm i mean i think our top four are our top four right now and it'll be an exciting surprise to see someone come out of the woodwork but i'm not predicting it so one cool thing we did see with these teams though it isn't like in previous seasons where there's a meta swap and who knows how teams handle that problem we had yeah. that problem all year, so that's why we can speak with a little confidence and have some interesting yeah. things to think about and say where um, I think, like on the Mayhem side, Chris was an asset on Bergita, and if he can't play Bergita, you know, maybe that maybe we've undervalued yeah. that. Or, or with Paris, for example, Ben Best is a great example as well, but like a player that they like to sub in, uh, Nico, at times really underperformed, and other times was the best echo and then echoes out of the meta and then like right so 
we know the personality of these teams and how resistant they are to these changes, uh, relatively speaking, because they know themselves, right? Sometimes, like, yeah. you can't really get a good feel because nobody knows, not even the team themselves, because they haven't played the player they need for that role, right? We got a chance to see who, how these players adapt and who the, the teams might even pick in those given circumstances. I'm a, I'm a, when I've made my calls thus far, uh, I, I have been do- doing it from the standpoint that I'm not guessing what the meta is. Like, DB was a bit more like, all right, let's put it under this meta assumption. I'm being a little bit more open to that because uh, I'm not. I'm l- less confident because, well, uh, you know, it's amazing what some of the top players can do. Maybe someone does pull out a hit scan for the last uh, uh, rodeo or whatever it's called, the last hurrah yeah. before hit scans get nerfed, right? So maybe the head clickers come and just just carry, right? But um, so yeah. Um, so some of these teams are are more needing a, a, a certain meta mm-hmm. than others, and oddly enough, like San Francisco, you sort of capped this off. Somehow, just found the like the perfect signing in Ons. Because how long have I been saying that their Widowmaker play is weak, even with Striker? I've been saying it forever. People say, "Blah, blah you don't know anything, Frito. Striker's great." <laughs> Meanwhile, he's like camping in the back of the map, holding a passive angle, not caring whatsoever, <laughs> just letting his whole team do everything for him. Yeah. Um, and and Ons just gives them like, who's who's? It's unfair to make this kind of signing. It just is unfair because that was their one weakness is their DPS play, and then they get maybe the the hottest Widowmaker of the season. So. Um, luckily he does have some, uh, for the other teams, hoping to have a chance against San Fran. Um, he, he does seem to be less flexible in terms of like his understanding of the role of DPS. Like if he's in a headshot gallery, like he's proven to just dominate even some of the best teams, mm-hmm. um, which is terrifying if, if he gets the chance. And oddly enough, let's say we get the countdown cup meta there. San Fran's DPS was like good enough. Right, I I wasn't blown away by their performance, but they won convincingly anyway. <laughs> it just didn't matter because their their teamwork. I muted myself. And adaptation is just that damn I thought good. My computer exploded. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, they're, they're just they're just that good. Like the Coach Krusty factor is what I'm riding to the bank with the NA bracket. I think Coach Krusty is just he's on another level with yeah. what I've seen him do with players, and I think. You know, we were speaking about this before the show started, but like a player like Sinatra has taken that into Valorant and mm-hmm. looks like a completely different human in that scene. I think the players on the shock just transform under his watch due to because I think if you take them out and put them on different teams, they just look like another owl pro. But on the shock, they 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 just play the game in a higher standard that it's going to be tough for anybody to uh, to match. I sort of feel the same way on the other side of the bracket with Shanghai. I think they stand out pretty convincingly. I don't want to get my hopes up for New York fitting in the meta and I, mean, I, I, I do, but <laughs> I, I don't I don't think that's gonna happen. I, I, I would say it's it's Shanghai's gonna win on that side. Um maybe uh not to direct the show too much, but what w- what do you guys think? Are are we going this is probably for shows in the future, I guess, but are we going to a, a San Fran Shanghai finals in China for the the six AM matches that you're gonna have to watch? <laughs> I mean, personally, I think as much as we can talk about there's an anti-clutch or a choking problem in in Houston, uh, I think it's almost been more apparent for Shanghai. Like the the Shang Nine is a very real uh, problem for them when the, when the stakes get high. They have shown a propensity to want to fall apart and to make the crucial mistake that cost them something. So I think the apex side of the bracket, I mean, if you're just on paper lining them up 
then it's a two-man race. It's like Guangzhou is the only one that can really stack up to them and and have uh, a, a puncher's chance. But, uh, you know, with everything on the line, with the losing your going home or, you know, kind of mentality and, and um, everything that surrounds playoffs, I think that added pressure really levels the playing field for a team like Shanghai, who maybe on paper is a bit of a runaway. Um, so but, bet my life savings on Chengdu is what you're saying. If that's, if that's what you heard. I mean, I'll, I'll be your bookie on that. So, you know, yeah, just ship it to me and then I'll, I'll, I'll place your bets for you. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and, and I, th- I really liked what you said on the other side. I mean, I, it's hard to imagine um, a world where it's not either Philly or, or San Francisco. And there is, I think, a, a sizable advantage or leg up for Coach Krusty. It's, he's, we can't speak enough about how much we respect and admire what Krusty has been able to do uh, with the San Francisco organization. And you're right. It, I mean, you see a similar even kind of play style in Sinatra when he goes to Valorant and it's just the, the very smart calculated aggression, like just taking over the game, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just like blowing people away. Like their, their goal isn't to win. It's to destroy you like as hard as they can. Yeah. Not not every time, but they play for that every Mm -hmm. time. Um, and it's absolutely something that comes from the coaching staff. And you talked about how unfair it was on gets to go to San Francisco. And I'm still like, it's so unfair. They got crusty from Boston because we <laughs> talk ad nauseum about putting players in the best possible opportunity to succeed and giving them, you know, what they need to succeed. And that's something crusty does beautifully. And that's something, listen, like would Ons be a, a, considered one of the top widow makers if you dropped him onto washington in place of decay no we probably wouldn't be talking about him at all he'd probably be roughly in jerry territory right like pops off looks great there's something here people like him the fans are into it but like doesn't change the team yeah. right but you put him into a team that's shot like wall-to-wall mvp candidates as far as the eye can see they couldn't even fit smurf into the list um you know it's it's just hey like it just go click the heads man we got you because you play Widowmaker. we needed a Widowmaker. uh don't worry if even if you die we still have the league's best like fight win rate when we get when we suffer the first the first death in a team fight like it's just so easy to succeed when you join a team that's so well coached and so well built of the san francisco shock that you just hey all, all i gotta do is my job i don't even gotta fit into this team right i just gotta kill two people before I get taken out and I'm good. This team does everything else you need it to do. And, um, in that, in that environment and in that scenario, you're not even going to die because you've killed two people and the rest of your team's that good. So the peeling's there, whether you need it or not, and uh, all those things. So yeah, it's, it's a great point to bring up how he just completely closed the gap and what was, you know, kind of their biggest weakness and, and really, set them up um really the only weakness i think they have now is genji and we're we're uh, they dodged that bullet right like that two-week metagame was right before the finals and you know i don't know that tayo was the answer i think rascal was probably the correct choice certainly wasn't super um we, we, like, we like to make a joke out of that even though he shame, put out a tweet shame on you but you know it, it, that would have been an exploitable an area where maybe they couldn't have played every play style or maybe you found that's the tournament they lost right 
Okay. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, Paris got that W there, right? Um, with with Sparkle in, in the Genji meta. So yeah, that was kind of the one, maybe the one hero where they still remain. They're still better than over half the teams in the league. Um, but that is the one spot where maybe you're like, oh, they don't have mechanically a top five, top three, whatever player in that spot. Um, and we're guaranteed not to be there, right? Like Genji's kind of just awful at the moment. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's it's a really good well, point. It does feel, although I I gotta say we've had this conversation before season one Frito it was I was roasted I mean like taken to task in our discord because I said I just I there's a very real chance New York doesn't win this thing what do you mean of course they're gonna win it this isn't sports this is a video game and they've been dominant and what could possibly happen and <clears throat> I mean, that was so most take Zen out of the meta. Just of is what happened, right? Make, like, make Zen play Roadhog. <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> to an extent, yes. I mean, that that was definitely a factor, but um, it's also just the the sports magic of it, the pressure yeah. of it, the the stakes, all of that. They force the the error that doesn't otherwise exist that a team wouldn't normally have, um, and that's a team like San Francisco that's done it. San Francisco had that error last year. We keep, we mentioned it because we're getting close to the playoffs. We mentioned yeah. it three times an episode moth face, right? Like, why yeah. isn't that a Twitch vote yet? Nobody knows, but it's not. Um, but like that can happen now it's double elimination. So does it happen twice this time? Or was that loss by the three Oh, like Philly just three owed San Francisco a couple yeah. weeks ago. Was that that loss? And now San Francisco's just unbeatable. It happened too early. Now they're they're tripled down. Their efforts are are you know doubled down. Everything they're just ready to go. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's hard to imagine it on paper being so one of the you know somebody outside those two teams. But it's very very likely. You know, I mean, all those predictions, all those everything, they just go out the window when you start, and somebody's having a bad day, and somebody else is popping off, and it's it's. It's the beauty of it. It's why these these playoffs and everything have been so much fun. My big hope is just that we get the best two teams at the end, right? I, we've had two finals, and this happens a lot, every sport, every everything, where the championship isn't your most hotly contested matchup, and it's not. I mean, but we, it comes up every now and then, and yeah. you get there. Right? And it's I, we're due. And I think it's something that would really help just the overall league and it's not fair to put that pressure on the teams, et cetera, et cetera. But like, I just, if I don't yeah. care if it's I versus San Francisco, as long as they are the best two teams when we get there and it's the best one V one matchup against the, against the teams, right? Like that's what I, I want a final mapper. I want extra time. I want overtime. I want map. You know, I want to go into the deciding King of the Hill match and it goes to point three and it's 99, 99, like, if we can get that, I don't care about the rest of it. I don't care what the names are. It doesn't, nothing else matters to me. That That's kind of what I'm rooting for. But yeah, it does absolutely have that feel of there's two teams that are just more complete and more yeah. just better positioned than the rest right now. Yeah. I feel like we had the two best teams in the finals last year. It's just the finals weren't close at all. Like San Francisco was just so much better than Vancouver last year. But there was other teams that would have given us a better game in that final, right? Like maybe they weren't the best team, but after yeah. the, the shake up, like I would have rather have seen Atlanta, Atlanta for example, yeah. try to try to repeat that would or have been something a cool story. Those lines. Um, and and to get that redemption, even if it wasn't close, right? Like I don't know, it just 
it's it's you're right it might be a matter of like the best teams were there but uh, i want the best teams for the best match right. not necessarily the best team. Mm. So i guess what i'm saying yeah no i get that for sure so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna lead us towards the ending of the show because we are going we are pushing two hours here so um that's that's uh that 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 is what happens when uh when you know when we got Frito on and we really just wanted more time to talk to him. I Point even, the finger, I get. I it. haven't even been. I haven't. E- I'm pointing the finger at me. Uh, <laughs> I, I haven't even been recording. This has just been a call between us the whole time. There's no. <laughs> show. There hasn't been a show. A real Tomorrow yeah, tomorrow's the real show. Uh, no, but uh, Frito, again, thank you for coming on, bud. Really do appreciate it. Uh, now is the time to sell out, shout out, plug, whatever you got going on. The floor is yours. Don't, I don't want to do any of that. One thing I want to say before <laughs> the show's over is uh, I'm willing to bet that if Anz has to play Sombra again, that he looks like the best Sombra in the playoffs because of the Coach Krusty factor. He looked uncomfortable in the, even when they were winning. Um, and if Sombra's not meta, I think Shocker set because uh, if, if there is a mechanical carry DPS, they have it now that that the mm-hmm. you know echo and genjured like to the side so it's it, it'll probably be still ash or widow and they they you know ons will pop off on that too but well, that's point. Uh, we make also i think shanghai dragons might be a little overrated and so is apac as a, as a whole i think the shocker ooh. better I, I absolutely agree with that i know i've never without having the comparison it's always bothered me to talk about like that they're when people were like Shanghai, they were holding Shanghai above San Francisco early in the year. And I'm just, it just never, never added up to me. And it was never going to until they got the regions together. So really, really excited for that, but nice try Frito. We're going to plug your stuff for you. You can find Frito on YouTube on the channels, your overwatch and click heads, uh, click heads is the Valorant one, your overwatch. If you couldn't do the math on that is the overwatch <laughs> channel. Um, where, what's your Twitter handle? Where can people find you on there? at your overwatch yt hit me up he's he's usually yelling at me whenever i say something stupid (laughs) or get overly excited about a a balance update coming on um really appreciate you coming on the show it's it's always a pleasure can't wait until the pandemic all that stuff clears up and and we get to uh meet up in another city and run whatever we can run they're known for (laughs) we can actually do friend con at some point nice Um, uh, it's a it's a it's a, a cockamamie idea i've had for a while um yeah you keep saying it but it's it's me that gets the dms like when is it what what weekend and like i've literally had people like i'm not me, like, okay here's the thing i'm not going to do it while we're still in i'm not even going to think about it until it's you know later um I'm saying it, was, it was a good idea for them to be trying to book plane tickets but they were <laughs> yeah that's a that's a yikes death where can people find you on the internet when you're not here on the show I try to stay off the internet as much as possible. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, no, it's, it's, um, Deathblow TTV on Twitter. Uh, the stream's been a little inconsistent. I got some, some IRL things going on uh, lately that have made it kind of difficult to, to focus too much on that, but Deathblow TTV on Twitch as well. Um, if you guys want to give me a follow there, I'll probably turn on and play some obscure, weird game. Nobody wants to watch anybody play, uh, next week or so. I wouldn't have it any other way. And you can find me on uh, Twitter at the underscore Blevins. And you can find the show on Twitter at High Noon Podcast. You can find us basically everywhere, High Noon Podcast. All of that good stuff. Just go anywhere, type in High Noon Podcast, and that's probably us. But 
that is going to be it for the show. Thank you again to Frito for coming on. But for Frito, for Death Bowl, I am Blevins. And remember, it's happening. Okay, Frito, last last second prediction. Who's winning it all? I mean, the easy money's on shock, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I, if you had to pick easy. one team, it'd have to, like, have to be shock. Boring. Can't, make a clickbait. Can't clickbait that title. <laughs> <laughs>